to feel, pray, love. A podcast devoted to bravely looking beneath the surface of ourselves and the world around us. This is a place where emotions are valued messengers, where life never happens on accident, and where every single part of you is welcome. Thank you for being exactly who you are and for showing up here today. My name is Nikki Sunshine. beautiful, brave souls, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Feel, Pray, Love podcast. I am named Nikki Sunshine and have the pleasure and honor of showing up here today as your humbled and grateful host. So before we begin, I want to start by recognizing you and thanking you, my dear listeners, for taking a few minutes out of your day, or I suppose more than a few minutes, if you know how long most my episodes tend to go, and taking this time for yourself, for your growth, for your healing, and allowing me to be a part of that infinite, beautiful portal. I thank you. I honor you. I recognize you. I'd also like to name that I'm recording this uh, transmission in the midst of quite a beautiful rainstorm here in Bali, Indonesia. And at first I was sort of waiting for the rain to calm down because it was quite loud and I feared it would affect the quality of this audio. And, and then I decided to just go with it. And so wouldn't you have it, just in the last 30 seconds or so, the rain seems to have stopped. And at any point during this recording, you may hear the drizzle of tropical rain in the background. Um, So I hope you enjoy the sounds of beautiful Mother Nature on this Indonesian island. Hmm. Yeah, so here I am. It's late March. It's a rainy Friday evening, and... I'm just here sipping on a glass of red wine, talking to my people. (laughs) Oh, what a joy it is to be alive and what a great gift it is for me to be able to um, show up here with all of you. I've just come out of what felt like such an internal and deep and transformative three or so weeks. Um, I keep saying... The air is thick with transformation over here. So maybe you out there listening feels that um, transformative air, transformative energy in the air surrounding you. And if you do, my dear friend, I just want you to know that you're not alone. I'm right here with you. And, um, you know, I'm doing the best I can every day to lean in and feel what needs to be felt and Um, spend enough time in nature and silence to get the messages and the guidance that are here for me and and to follow that guidance which 
oftentimes requires a lot of courage, wouldn't you say? Um, requires a lot of courage to stand or march boldly in the direction of your destiny or your path or your dreams, especially when that march goes against the path that has been laid out for you by society or your parents or people you care about um, or even goes against the beliefs you've you've learned to accept as reality right so oftentimes in this space of transformation I'm I'm spending a lot of time coming to terms and acknowledging the beliefs I hold and really deciding if I want to believe those things anymore and then of course doing the deep embodiment work of of rewiring those pathways in my body and exchanging old beliefs for new beliefs and expanding into a new version of self. <laughs> so I'm feeling you, I'm feeling you, I'm feeling you. Yeah. With all of that being said, today's episode has been just brewing in my internal soft space and in my journal for these past three weeks. I'm so ready to bring this to you. It feels like a big part of my destiny and why I'm on this planet is to bring this message. So um, I'm really excited for that. And before we go into that, um, just just one quick announcement. Um, yeah, I'm having a big, big life transition coming up here shortly. This is one of the many decisions that was birthed from this three weeks of internal reflection and meditation and introspection. Um, and that is that I will be leaving my beloved home in Bali in about a month. Um, it's not an easy decision. Well, that's not entirely true. The decisions become easier and easier for me because I know that when I follow my guidance, I'm living in alignment with my purpose, and that is the most important thing to me. With that being said, even when I feel absolutely confident and clear in my decision and my direction, I still have to feel the grief of that which I did not choose, right? So every time I choose one path, I step off another path, and there's grief with that. There always is. And so I'm in that space of excitement and joy and expansion for what's to come next as I fly into Istanbul, Turkey on April 28th um, for an unknown adventure. I'll be meditating in the caves of Cappadocia. I hope I got that name right. Um, with some people I've never met but have been connected with online. And after our coming together for a week or two, I will go off on my own adventure and, and backpack and explore the untouched, to my feet, country of Turkey um, with my backpack and all the other things. So um, with that decision, of course, there's this feeling of excitement, of expansion, of wonder. And at the same time, there's this feeling of grief and sadness for all that I will be leaving behind, right? I'll be leaving this comfy, cozy home base I've created in Bali, um, my literal house, which I love and adore, and I'm so sad to leave. Um, I'll be leaving my community that has formed around me over this last year or so, 
and I'll be leaving a beautiful partnership that I've been dancing and growing in for the last eight months. Um, and most of all, I'll be leaving that sense of stable security and familiarity in order to leap into the unknown waters of life. So, yeah, that's what's new in my world. I just thought I'd let you, my podcast peeps, know right away because I feel intimately connected to you guys um, and women and in-betweens. Uh, despite the fact that I've never met or talked to most of you, um, I've talked to many of you and I've met many of you as well. What a pleasure. Uh, I feel intimately connected to you all, so thank you for holding the space for me to exist and be and express through this channel, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, yeah, so one other thing I just want to share on this in this moment is just a bow of gratitude for my team. Um, some of you know, some of you don't know that for the last almost two years that this show has been alive, I have been doing the whole thing myself, recording, editing, producing, making the graphics, sharing it far and wide, and it pretty much became a full-time job, um, a full-time unpaid job. So. Um, it was becoming a little unsustainable for me. I was wearing myself out. And so only recently I hired a team of incredible humans, all of them happen to be women, who now make this podcast happen each week. And I could not do this without them. I would not do this without them. Um, so I just want to send a bow of gratitude and love to my girl Marissa, who produces this episode she writes the show notes she puts it out in all the places she makes the graphics that are so beautifully redesigned by her recently um marissa i call her my angel i recommended her to many of my friends <laughs> huge bow of gratitude to marissa um to my girl madeline who edits this episode and does all of the audio wizard, wizard, wizardry that is not my strong suit. Um, the episodes and the audio has sounded a lot better since she joined the team. So thank you, darling Madeline. And finally, to my, my dear, dear sister, Alex. Oof. Sometimes I don't know what I'd do without you, girl. Um, I call her my assistant sometimes, sometimes I'm just her mentor, but either way, she is an, in, an irreplaceable part of the team that allows this um, platform to continue running and operating. So, dear Alex, I love you, I thank you, I honor you, and um, yeah, what a blessing it is to have all these beautiful women on this team with me. <sighs> Okay, and one final bit. Um, if you're enjoying the show, if this show is of service to you, I invite you to spread it around, share the messages, share the episodes, share the words. You know all the places you can do that. You can just tell your friends about it. You can throw it up on your social media platforms. You can send this episode in a text message directly to someone who might be served by it. And... You can leave me a rating and review on iTunes. I think maybe on Spotify too. 
And my, my only invitation here is don't do it for me. Um, it's so sweet when you do, but it's not necessary. But do it for the people who will be served by receiving this message, right? Uh, this platform is so much more and beyond me. I'm just a human. I'm just a vessel here. And um, really, you know, the less I'm even a part of this, the better, because this is the word of spirit coming through me. And so spread the word for the alchemy of wisdom spread the word to inspire others spread the word to help those who might not otherwise find this channel find this channel right uh, so that is my invitation to you my dear fellowship my dear community and with that being said let's dive on into this week's juicy episode so my loves my darlings I want to talk about today, riff on, converse about something that maybe isn't as popular in the world of growth and development and especially in the, the love and light community, right? And it's, it's a message that's been coming forward again and again in my life. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I feel like I'm the only one preaching this message and I know that's not the case deep down. Um, and that feeling has me feeling ever more motivated to bring this message again and again because it's so important and it's such an integral piece of this human experience we live on planet Earth, right? So today's message is about the darkness. It's about the darkness. Ooh. The chaos, the darkness, the fear, the pain, the hurt, the sadness, the anger, the rage, <sighs> the darkness. And I feel so called to speak on and share about the darkness because of my own life experience. <sighs> I've lived through a lot of darkness. I've lived through a lot of darkness and... Um, at this point in my life, it's something I look upon as, as a blessing. Like, I'm so blessed to have lived through a life that is sprinkled with so much darkness. Because here I am, having lived through the darkness, but I not only lived, but transformed through the darkness. And now I get to be and exist as a living, breathing example of how the darkness can serve us and why it's worthwhile to lean into the darkness and trust the dark waves of our life, trust the painful emotions, trust the hard feelings, trust the times of conflict and indecision. So where to begin? I guess I want to begin with a little bit of a story, like I often do. So, um, some of you know bits and pieces of my story, and some of you don't. Um, but I was born, I was actually born quite literally into the darkness. Um, I came out backwards out of the birth canal. My head, I turned around in the birth canal, and so I was born feet first. And on my way out, my head got stuck in my mother's birth canal. And um, by the time the nurses got me out, 
My mom always told me my head was purple and blue because I had lost uh, my ability to breathe with her vaginal canal wrapped around my neck and my breathing cords. And so quite literally, my first moments of existence on earth were in the darkness, right? My body and legs and hands were out and my head was still inside the dark womb. And so those were my first moments onto earth. And um, I grew up into a very loving family, a mom, a dad, and an older sister at the time. We'd later be blessed with my younger sister. And I don't have a lot of specific memories from that time, but from what I understand, my family was very loving. My mom and dad both loved me very much. And um, yeah, we had a lot of family close by and I was very loved as a child. Uh, around age two, tragedy stuck, struck my family when my dad had a really unexpected work accident and he ended up uh, falling off of a ladder and be, be getting electrocuted. He worked on telephone wires as an electrician and he died immediately on the job one day. And so my dear sweet mother had to be the recipient of his colleague showing up at her door one day and delivering this heartbreaking news. This was two months after the birth of my younger sister. So, you know, I can only imagine my mom's position. She has three children, a newborn. She hasn't been in the workforce for upwards of a decade. And now her, the love of her life, her beloved had passed suddenly. And so herein is where began the darker trajectory of my upbringing. My dear sweet mother didn't know how to deal with such tragedy and she didn't have a lot of the resources that I have today. And, and so what ended up becoming her vice was alcohol. And mixed with that, um, she was diagnosed, I believe wrongly diagnosed with a slew of, of um, you know, illnesses, be it depression and um, bipolar disorder, which may be very real. And my understanding is, well, of course she's depressed. She just lost the love of her life. Her whole world just turned upside down. Um, but these diagnoses came with a variety of pills and, and the mix of alcohol and pills throughout my childhood made for a very confusing upbringing. Um, and led to a very unique relationship between me and my mom where I almost became her therapist. I became her scapegoat, her outlet, her safe space to talk about the struggle she was going through, her fears of financial upheaval, her fears about um, her depression and ever you know, coming out on the other side from losing my dad. Um, I also became my mom's support financially um, at a, quite a young age because she had this family to support with no job. Uh, she wasn't able to get herself back into the workforce for the rest of her life, which would go on another, let's see, from the time I was two, another 20 years or so. She, she just couldn't hold down a job, you know. She was emotionally unstable, and with the alcohol and the, the medications, it just made for a very unstable chemistry within her body. And so I had this interesting experience as a child 
half the time feeling terrified, half the time feeling confused, sometimes feeling really loved and like, oh, everything's going to be okay, um, depending on my mom's mood, which often depended on the unique balance of chemical concoction that she had ingested that day. And so, um, you know, childlike joy isn't something I remember experiencing as a child. Um, that came later in life. Don't you worry, my friends. So I had this very confusing and often traumatic childhood. Um, my younger sister also picked up on this energy and she had her own way of sort of dealing with it and kind of became the rebel of the family. I became the good girl, always trying to be at mommy's aid. And my older sister basically held everything together um, like the badass that she is until she went to college and she left the home. Um, so I was 12 years old at this time and this is when a lot of the really uh, more painful memories start to surface for me. Um, my dear sweet sister, bless her soul, would come back every weekend to kind of check on us. And she had a boyfriend at the time and she, she just wasn't as deeply immersed in the day-to-day -day that I was with my mother at that point. Um, my mom always felt safe with me. She felt like she could tell me things that she didn't feel safe telling the rest of the family for fear of being shamed or being made wrong or being, um, you know, made to be incapable as a mother and raising us, which was her deepest fear in the world, was losing us children. So I had this memory when I was about 14, I think. Some distant relatives invited me to come visit them, me and my younger sister, for a weekend. And I remember it felt so strange. Um, I was an extremely empathic child. Those of you who have grown up with an alcoholic parent or guardian know what it's like to be, you, you become empathic because you have to, right? You have to be very attuned to their mood um, for your own safety as a child, or at least that's what it feels like. So I was, ex I've always been s extremely empathic. And I remember my family telling me, you're going to go visit Aunt uh, Jim and, and, or I'm sorry, Aunt Deb and Uncle Jim. And I thought, that feels, something feels off. Something feels weird. And I didn't want to go. I was basically forced to go. They're like, well, they're picking you up. You're going. So me and my sister went off for the weekend. And when I came home two days later, my mom was gone. And various members of my family were there to let me know that they had an intervention with my mom. And they'd sent her off to a rehab clinic two or three states away from where we lived. Um, and she would be gone for many months. And... Man, I just, I remember like feeling so fucking angry and heartbroken and confused and just like, where's my mom and what do you mean? And um, it was very traumatizing. It was, it was very, uh, it was a very hard time. And my beautiful family, you know, various cousins and aunts and uncles stepped in to kind of, we sort of got taken care of by various family members throughout that time and 
you know, I'm so blessed to have such a loving family. And simultaneously at that time in my life, all I wanted was my mom. And I became angry and resentful and, and confused and very mistrusting, you know, like, how could you guys do this? How could you take me away and then take my mom away? And I didn't even get to say goodbye and, um, all of these things. So, uh, she eventually came back and, there was sort of this momentary period of like, okay, everything's going to be different. We're going to have a normal childhood now and mom will be able to get a job and we'll be able to go on the school field trips and be like normal kids and, and buy clothes that don't only come from thrift stores. And, um, and then as often happens with the cycle of addiction, she fell back into it, right? And I remember at that time in my life, uh, I have one very specific memory of coming in from the house on a very hot summer's day and going into the freezer looking for something cold to soothe my heat and I found a water bottle in the freezer and I didn't know any better I thought oh great there's this like ice cold water and I opened up the water bottle and took a big big swig and I may be 15 at the time and ended up like spitting it out and uh, because it was filled with booze and that's when I realized my mom hadn't really kicked the habit. You know, she was now just a um, very sneaky, sneaky alcoholic. And so that created a lot of tension between my mom and I. And, um, you know, I was, I was starting to become filled with a lot of anger um, and confusion. Like, man, we've all been through so much because of this. Why can't you stop? Why can't you stop for me? Why can't you stop for us? Um... At age 15, I'm already working on my 14th birthday. Well, I, I started my first business at age 12, babysitting kids on the block. I had a little monopoly going on, and I would, I would make money, and I would give most of it to my mom just because I, she would confide in me that she, you know, oh, no, I spent the Social Security check on alcohol, and Papa's going to, you know, my grandpa... My grandpa, her dad, is going to find out if I can't buy groceries. And, and I would feel for my mom, and she would cry on my shoulder. And so I would do these things um, to support her, even when it tore me up inside. Um, I remember at age 11 working for a school uh, dance or something like that, the concession stand. And at the end of the night, I stole like $140 from the cash box. And I brought it home and I gave it to my mom and um, she thanked me with a kiss and said, thank you, sweetheart. And I went up to my room and just cried all night. I remember feeling so conflicted and confused because my moral code felt like I had done something wrong. But the validation from my mom had me feeling like I, I was doing a good thing. <sighs> There was a lot of confusion in those years, and by the time I reached age 16, I started to get a little bit frustrated and angry. And through the frustration and anger, I still felt very compelled to help my mom in any way that I could. And it, you know, age 16, I experienced some very painful confusing sexual trauma that many of you have heard the story of. Um, I was drugged and by these four strange men I had met that night and then I have vivid memories in between the, the heavy, heavy, deep like sleep 
paralysis I was under because of the influence of these drugs. Um, waking up to various men raping me and entering me and um, it was just, it was almost like at that point in my life I didn't even have space to process that. So I buried that, um, that experience along with a lot of the pain from my childhood and I, I just kept doing what I felt I needed to do, you know. Um, I kept working, I was going to school and, and um, in high school I discovered sports and what I discovered is that running on the track team or the basketball team helped me to release a lot of the pent-up anger and sadness and grief that I held within my, my whole life. So I would wake up early, go to school. After school, I would go to sports, whatever, whatever season it was. And then sports would end around five or six. And then I would go to work. And then I would work from six until nine or 10. And then I would come home. And then I would try and do homework and eat food and be so tired. And then I'd wake up and repeat. And um, yeah, I just remember feeling... I remember in many points of my childhood having the question like, is this what life is? Is this what life is? Um, you know, there were so many experiences in my childhood, um, many that I haven't shared here. Um, yeah, because I, I, there's a part of me that still wants to protect the wishes of various family members who don't wish for all of this to be public knowledge. But um, let's just say for now that there were a lot of experiences that had me feeling really depressed about living. Like, if this is what life is, I don't really want to live a long time. You know, I don't really have an interest in growing old. And... It was about, I was, I was 17 when I got my first like real boyfriend and he was 23 and he had his own apartment and um, my mom's addiction was just getting stronger and stronger. She was becoming less and less present and more and more challenging for me to be around. And so when I was 17, I sort of unofficially moved out of the house and started living almost full time with my, with my um, boyfriend. And at age 18, I went to college and I really moved out. I was so blessed to receive um, oodles of government grants, which like afforded me the opportunity to go to college. Um, and so it was when I was in college that I really started partying a lot. I discovered... I actually started this part of my life around age 17, so before I went to college, but it really amped up in college. Um, you know, various types of drugs, cocaine, ecstasy, all sorts of things. And I didn't know it at the time, lots of alcohol. But what I was doing is I was finding means of escaping the reality which I wasn't ready to face, which was the grief of never having a father the grief of never really getting to be a carefree child, um, the grief of miss, feeling like I had missed out on an experience that so many other people had had. 
you know, pain from being teased. Um, I was highly overweight at, for many years in my life. Um, and so the, the pain of being teased for being poor, being overweight, um, you know, all these sorts of things. And so I found a way to escape and it was through substances and partying. And eventually I became a bartender and I got to drink for a living and I was always surrounded by people, you know, I, I unconsciously made sure of that. And, and then eventually I moved from Wisconsin where I was born to Colorado. Um, now, if you heard last week's episode, you know more about the journey to forgiving my mom. So it was somewhere in between the ages of 18 and 19 when I was still in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin to be exact, uh, that I forgave my mom. Um, it was a deep process and you can hear all about that in last week's episode. But so I forgave my mom, we mended our relationship and then eventually I moved to Colorado and I met more people who liked to party and I learned about other drugs like ketamine and I started traveling around the country with my favorite band and I had this, anyone who knew me called me Sunshine, that, that's, I've been called Sunshine for many years and what I see now is that version of Sunshine and positivity was not real. It was only existed on the surface and it only existed in me because of my unwillingness to feel and go into that which lived within, right? So this is largely what today's conversation is about is, you know, back then I, I had a really positive outlook, you could say, and I can look back on like Facebook posts from those years and see like, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry, those kinds of messages. And yet I wasn't acknowledging the darkness that lived deep down within me, right? So side note, during this time, I developed chronic hip pain. Um, I went to see a few doctors about it and they told me it was chronic, it would never go away and that I would need surgery in order to correct it. Lucky for me, I didn't have health insurance at the time, so I never got the surgery. And it wasn't until age 23 when um, my, basically my worst nightmare came to fruition and my mom, who had at this point, I'm age 23, so this is about four years after my journey to forgiving her. We had become deeply close. We sort of reinstigated that relationship from childhood where I kind of became her confidant and her, her therapist. And um, I was also helping her get off a lot of her medications using, using natural medication, or I'm sorry, natural medicines, herbal medicines. Um, However, because I wasn't a child who was codependent on my mom, it was able to exist in a more friendly, healthier um, manner. And I got to choose that relationship, right? So it felt a lot different at age 22, 23 than it did at age 12. So her and I were very close. And one day, strangely and, of course, perfectly aligned enough, it was the day after I had just gone to visit her in Wisconsin for three weeks, I had the weirdest feeling that I needed to go be with my mom and um, she was actually just about to go um, to court for her fourth or fifth DUI and it was really likely she was gonna get jail time and so I wanted to just go be with her and give her love and so I spent three beautiful weeks with her and 
The day after I flew back to Colorado, I got a phone call that my mom was found on the floor of her apartment. And so I flew back to Wisconsin and I spent nine brutal days in the hospital with my sisters next to my unconscious mom and went through a varying slew of emotions where sometimes a doctor would come in very hopeful and we thought she was going to recover and then sometimes someone would come in and tell us that she's going to be confined to a wheelchair and brain damage the rest of her life and that we would all have to give her full-on care and then someone else would come in and say she had no chance so it was a very emotionally turbulent and, and painful nine days and not a lot of sleep staying in the hospital chair next to her bed never leaving that hospital um, and on the ninth day we had already taken her off life support and surprisingly to everyone including the staff and us she was still breathing though she was still unconscious as well so my older sister left to get some paper signed to transfer her to hospice my younger sister went outside to take a walk or smoke a cigarette I can't really remember and I was left alone with my mom. Actually, my brother-in-law was in the room and he was in the corner sort of working on the computer. And I was next to her just holding her. She was wrapped in this scarf of mine, just looking right into her face. And all of a sudden she began, her eyes shot open and she began choking and coughing and her eyes were rolling around. And, and I, I really held her and looked into her eyes as she breathed her final breaths on this earth. And, and she died right there in my arms. And, um, you know, this catapulted, you know, that in itself is such a profound experience to witness death like that, um, especially at age 23 in my own mother. And what ended up happening from this experience is... I personally for me you know I went through massive amounts of grief and not just grief of losing my mom but every single feeling I had repressed for my whole life bubbled up to the surface it was like losing her was the wound that was so deep that no bandage could cover it and today almost five years later looking back I couldn't be more grateful for this experience. I couldn't be more grateful for this experience because I learned so much. And through the year and a half following her death, which were, besides those nine days in the hospital, the hardest, the hardest time in my life, um, you know, I lost all of my friends. I became completely consumed by my emotions and confused as every emotion under the sun poured out of me. It seemed relentlessly and, um, you know, it was, it was my, my darkest night. It was my darkest night. And so from this experience, I speak to you today. From this life, that was weaved with so many moments and more than moments of darkness, of confusion, of pain, of, of neglect, of abuse. I speak to you today as someone who is an advocate for the darkness. And that's not to say that we need to force darkness or create darkness, but rather that we can trust 
the darkness, folks. We can trust the darkness. So many spiritual communities these days are talking about the light and the love and to just find the light and to find the joy. Um, actually, even recently in this beautiful Shaktipa meditation community I'm a part of, um, just a small example of it happened where I sent a voice memo into our group chat in a moment of sadness. It was about something small. I, I missed uh, one of our final group call of the season and because there was a time zone change in the US and I wasn't prepared and I, I missed the call. And so when I realized I missed the call, I felt sadness and tears came and, and I sent this voice message just in my sadness saying like, hey, I'm feeling this sadness and you know, I'm sad to be missing the call and I love you all so much and something like that. And someone responded saying, hey, no need to feel sad, just find the joy in it. And it was such a beautiful moment that solidified this message that I want to bring to the world. And so I responded to that gentleman. He's such a dear, sweet human being. And I said, hey, you know, thank you for your care and your love. I can feel it in your words. And I want to stand up for my sadness. And, you know, for me, I don't want to turn my sadness into joy. I actually find that the medicine is in allowing myself to feel that sadness and allowing myself to lean into the sadness and to embrace the, the sadness or the anger or the pain or the fear, whatever it is, and to just authentically allow it to move through me. And what I find is that when I do that, okay, so if I feel a dark emotion and I just allow it to come and I allow it to run its course, instead of trying to resist it, instead of immediately trying to meditate it away or yoga it away, instead of trying to turn it into joy or happiness, if I just allow myself to feel it, I find that there's medicine in that. And from that place, that emotion, instead of getting stuck and lodged in my body, gets to be released it moves through me and it brings me to a new place in my own growth, in my own development, in my own expansion. And it's usually on the other side of these dark moments or these dark emotions that bouts of wisdom or a deeper understanding about life comes through to me. So I'm here to tell you, yeah, there is reason to be sad. Yeah, there is reason to feel anger. To be quite honest, if you never felt sadness or anger, even in the littlest, in this world we live in, I don't know if I'd trust you. There is a feeling of maybe someone's bypassing if that's their story, right? Um, because we live in a world that has means for feeling these things, right? And, um, you know, maybe Jesus Christ or... Um, Buddha are exceptions to the rule but for us human beings who are here on the journey yeah when my heart breaks I feel sadness and I'm okay with that now so I invite you to give space for your dark emotions to exist and to surrender and allow your dark feelings to arise and to be felt and to lean in and trust the darkness Lean in and trust the darkness. 
and to stop trying to diagnose ourselves every time we have a feeling that isn't joy or light. Let me remind you folks, the light shines more brightly through the cracks of darkness, right? Envision a flashlight and envision yourself shining it in pure daylight. How bright does that light shine? You can't really see the brightness. Now imagine yourself shining that same flashlight in the pitch darkness of the night. It illuminates the whole space around you, right? It becomes so much brighter. And that analogy is so fitting for me because that's how I feel about us as human beings, as feeling beings, as beings who are gifted the grace of emotions, right? Emotions are so beautiful. I don't know if there's many other species on earth that get to feel emotions like we do as humans, as homo sapiens. And so trust your emotions. Trust the periods of darkness. And stop trying to make yourself be something that you're not in this moment. Stop trying to make yourself feel happy when you feel sad. Stop trying to make yourself productive when you feel tired. Stop trying to make yourself feel social when you feel inward. Stop trying to make yourself feel um, peaceful when you feel rage-filled, right? And instead, just lean in and allow that emotion to move through you. And what I can say from a lot of experience with this is that emotions don't stay very long, right? An actual felt emotion in the body is rather quick. It's not that long of an experience. And a lot of the work I do with my one-on-one clients is deciphering and learning the difference between a felt emotion that moves through us with grace and then getting stuck in a story or telling a story that perpetuates a certain feeling, right? And when, when we do that, we can get stuck in a feeling for decades. So there's a big difference. Emotions themselves, it's just energy in motion. <laughs> That's what emotion stands for. So when we allow ourselves to lean into whatever's here, be it the darkness or the light, we clear our channels, we clear our bodies of these repressed feelings, these stuck emotions. We become more receptive to the signs, to the guidance of the universe. We become more sensitive to the space and the energies around us and the energies within us. And we move closer to wholeness, which wholeness is your birthright. We are all born whole. And innately, we are each whole. And yet, we've learned to compartmentalize ourselves. We've learned to label parts of ourselves as good, as bad, as this, as that, as successful, as failure, right? And I'm in the business of fucking all the goddamn labels. <laughs> I'm this, I'm that, I'm bi, I'm lesbian, I'm straight, I'm good, I'm bad, I'm, a, I'm successful, I'm a hippie. I'm that, like, who fucking cares what the label is? You are who you are. And you are a dynamic, rich, undefinable manifestation of life, of love. 
And love is a spectrum. Love is like a rainbow, right? There's all sorts of shades and textures to the expression that love can take. Love isn't just one thing. Love isn't just kindness. Love isn't just light. Love is everything. Rage can be an expression of love. Sadness can be an expression of love. So I urge you as a steward of the mission to rise in love on this planet, allow yourself to be who you are. Allow all parts of yourself to be expressed and stop trying to put the dark parts of you in a box and shove them in the basement because let me tell you, my friends, they don't go anywhere. They just build up and build up and that chronic hip pain I told you about earlier in my story, guess what? It dissolved during that year and a half after my mom died. It completely went away. No surgery. Just through feeling. Right? Feel it to heal it. I literally healed what was diagnosed as chronic, unhealable hip pain through feeling my emotions and releasing pent-up feelings from within. And so, yes, these repressed stored feelings this repressed darkness can manifest as literal illness and pain and it does every single day millions of people have chronic illnesses and this is a big statement but I stand by it I believe every single illness and physical ailment is a result of emotional roots emotional roots so is it easy to move through your emotions probably not at first especially if you've grown up in a society and under a belief system that tells you it's better to just repress everything does it get easier fuck yeah it does does it become almost like a sanctuary a ritual that you find joy in even when it's pain even when it's sadness it sure as hell has for me it becomes so much easier to lean into these emotions and And it just becomes part of the experience. Not something to avoid, but just something that is. It's like, oh, okay, I feel grief now. I'm going to lean in. Wow, I feel so much joy. I want to dance around like a little kid. Ooh, I feel horny. I'm going to go experience some sexual pleasure. Ooh, I feel rage-filled. I'm going to go outside and feel my anger and scream and give it back to the earth and, and punch the ground and let this move through my body. Right, it just becomes a part of the dance. Right, just like an actual dance. In the tango, you don't stay in one single step the whole time and then when you have to change from the front step to the side step, go, no, I can't do that, right? You just, okay, now it's time to go into this part of the dance. That's what we're doing here in life, my friends. (laughs) So I invite you to join me if if you want into this whole rich, dynamic experience of life in which we allow all things, in which we embrace the darkness just like we do the light and, and where we reclaim our innate wholeness through being a whole human being, not just one side of a human being. I'm only happy. I'm only joyful. I'm only successful. I'm only active. I'm only... Work. I'm only in my work mode. I, you know, no. I work hard and I relax. I work and I play. I laugh and I cry. 
right? I feel soft and I feel full of rage. All of the things get to exist within you. And to me, that is an attractive, dynamic, whole, incredible, motherfucking, inspiring human being, right? This idea of perfectionism and being one version of a human and like some polished off like Barbie doll. It's so gross. It's not even real. To me, that's not attractive. I'm not drawn to someone who seems perfect. I'm repelled. I don't trust that. Now, if I meet someone who cries the first time I meet them or shares with me that they're feeling angry or rageful or, or just shows up as a mess and not put together and is like, yeah, I wasn't feeling it today. I didn't even brush my hair. That's someone who I'm like, can we be best friends? I trust you and I want to know you and I want to, I'm inspired by you. So this call to arms, for lack of a better term, may not be for everyone. And if it's not, I hereby welcome you to leave my sphere and I will love you all the same. There will be no hard feelings. And if you're here to integrate all parts of yourself and reclaim wholeness and be a real human being, my friend, you found yourself in the right place. And on a final note, I'll share this. I have been given this, you could call it a compliment, but it's really just feedback from more people than I can count. And... And what, they, what they've said more or less is, you know, Nikki, I've never met someone. These are typically people who really know me and know all the deep details of my story and my, my past and, and my life. And they've said, you know, Nikki, I've never, ever met someone who's been through the unimaginable things you have and exuberates as much genuine childlike joy as you do. And what I want to say to that is it's because of the darkness that I've been through that I can experience the depths of radiant childlike joy that I do. I believe they are connected and um, I often talk about the pain and joy spectrum, right? It's like imagine a line and there's a middle point and on one end there's the pain and on one end there's joy and the all the way to the left side of the spectrum if you go all the way out that's the most amount of pain you can experience and then on the right side if you go all the way down the line that's the most amount of joy you can experience and I imagine it moving in sync so as deep as I allow myself to experience my pain my darkness if you will is the same level of depth that I will be able to experience my joy. This I firmly believe. This I firmly believe. So, you know, maybe I can avoid my, my pain and then I, maybe I'm not feeling a lot of pain, but I'm also not feeling a lot of joy. I'm kind of blasé, vanilla in the middle. But I can tell you guys, I can say this with absolute truth and certainty. Life is so fucking joyful over here in my world. (laughs) Like, man, the amount of joy I can experience just smelling a flower or coming across a playground and feeling like a kid again and running around on the slides and the swings and giggling and pretending I'm a pirate. And 
Um, there's all these mo- playing with my kitten. Um, I just feel so much joy and it, it, it makes everything worth it, you know? So I am a advocate, a spokeswoman, a disciple of, of the darkness as a, as a partner of the light, as a part of the light. Your light shines ever brighter when it is shown through the cracks of your darkness. <sighs> so my dear friends, I hope that this message has been of service to you out there. And I'm sending you so much love and courage and strength as you navigate your own darkness. Or maybe after this conversation, you feel a little bit more inclined to lean into your darkness and allow your darkness and stop diagnosing your darkness. And that is music to my soul. So as always, feel free to reach out to me and share your stories. I've received a number of emails from um, some of you guys, and I have yet to respond to all of them. But I, I do always respond. Sometimes it's months later. Um, so I hope we can trust the timing together and just know I'm receiving you and I'm feeling you and I'm praying for you and with you. And yeah, thank you for existing as a beacon of light, of darkness, of love, of everything, of nothing, of, of life on this planet. And thank you for being here for the journey. <sighs> you so very much for joining me this week as always if you have questions comments shares you can reach out on instagram you can send me an email directly i'll have all those contacts linked up in the show notes and um yeah sending you many many blessings wherever you are namaste my friends until next week's episode mm-hmm.